This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today it is Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. Good morning from New York. Let's start with the ECB rate decision earlier on in the week. The European Central Bank saying it'll accelerate the pace of its bond buying over the next three months in response to the Eurozone's rising borrowing costs and uh, faltering economic recovery. And we'll talk more of that in a minute, uh, all connected with coronavirus, of course. And in its latest monetary policy decision, it kept its policies unchanged, so no change in the rate. And uh, Christine Lagarde also said that she didn't think that inflation would create a big problem and that it would stay below the central bank's target. Now, some economists are quite sceptical about that. Very much so. And I I think the key takeaway, though, from that meeting was that the the ECB clearly signaled that, you know, they're going to deliver faster purchases here, but that doesn't mean it's more stimulus. And, and, And I think the tone of the press conference was slightly more optimistic. I think uh, Lagarde kind of highlighted that the risks to the outlook are now balanced while downside risks remain in the near term, which for many market participants, you know, gave them permission to uh, have yields immediately decline. And uh, I I think what you're going to see is uh, ECB really is in wait and see mode right now. And I think uh, the the problem with the economic recovery for Europe is that uh, they've really struggled in fighting with COVID. And uh, I, I think that you're going to probably see that uh, uh, there is strong optimism that eventually, once that picture is clearer, uh, you know, p- policy will likely remain intact for the rest of this year. And I, I think the, you know, calls for tightening, you know, uh, next year will, will start to grow. But for right now, I think you're you're probably going to see that the ECB is going to remain uh, fairly uh, f- fairly steady in policy and long-term inflation. I think it still remains subdued, and uh, I, I think that any type of uh, spikes in inflation will will be temporary, and and it's mainly because of the base effects from COVID nineteen. I think you're going to see that eventually in the summertime. That's when you'll probably see uh, inflation come back down, and uh, hopefully for Europeans, that will be when the economy really starts to gain steam. It's amazing how coronavirus seems to be at the centre of everything when you look actually and delve deep down. The ECB's promise to what they called significantly boost the pace of those bond purchases is certainly threatening to turbocharge a bit of yield divergence with the US. That could certainly drive money out of Europe, unless, of course, the Fed ramps up its commitment to ease policy next week. Yeah, and I think right now what we're starting to see is, you know, for the most part, the Fed has been fairly content with their their current stance and um, the the uh, overall move in treasuries was kind of the one big risk factor for them. The, the Fed is, is going to remain fairly accommodative, but they are not willing yet to push back on the move in treasuries. And, and I think that that's kind of what everyone is waiting for. I think today we saw uh, producer prices once again um, um, post another gain. And, and I think what you're going to see is that pricing pressures are not going away anytime soon and uh, for 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 many um if if the u.s economy continues with its current trajectory i think there is you know big expectations that this economy will run hot um and uh, eventually um you know we, you're going to see the fed is going to be concerned with tighter financial conditions because 
if the economy runs hot, you're going to see Treasury yields skyrocket. And you're going to probably see the 10-year be above 180, possibly making it around at 2%. And it's that risk of disorderly market conditions that could really uh, derail this economic recovery. And that's when the Fed will be in a position where they might have to ramp up those purchases. They might have to adopt yield curve, not yield curve control, but operation twist. I think that you're going to see that the Fed is is really um, going to remain optimistic, but firmly committed to, to this dovish stance. And uh, I think that's why you're probably going to see uh, the yield curve will steepen. But I, I think that uh, they're going to eventually push back in the current trajectory with yields. And, and today, you know, we, we, we saw the, the, the move higher in the 10-year yield kind of uh, break past that March 5th high, which I think for many, many traders was surprising. Um, there was a lot of risk uh, heading into this week, and most of it was focused on uh, some uh, three key treasury auctions. And uh, I, I think the reason why we saw investors kind of fixated in, in, in these auctions was because at the end of last month, we saw that the, the, the bond market sell-off really stemmed from a rather disappointing um, seven-year auction. And, and, and what happened was there was anemic demand, and it really just kind of uh, helped, you know, send treasuries above 160. Well, we got through those three auctions and it looked like we had some calm in the bond markets. And today we're starting to see treasury yields are are jumping. And, and I think that we've pushed uh, beyond those highs that stemmed from that, that um, risk event. And, and, and now you're going to see that investors are going to be uh, focused on, okay, is the bond market going to, you know, test the will of the Fed? Because it, it, you know, prior to today, it seemed like the Fed would have a pass that they could be, you know, just uh, content with sticking with the rhetoric and, and just kind of waiting and seeing to, to see uh, if, if treasury yields kind of uh, were going to move much higher. And, and uh, now it seems like, wow, they've really waited till today to, to, to deliver a strong move. And, and that is going to catch their attention and uh, could warrant uh, some tweaking in, in, in how they uh, respond next week. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be a highly watched meeting. And uh, before that, too, we, we do have another Treasury auction on Tuesday. So if there is uh, some soft demand there, you know, that could really accelerate the move higher in yields. And, and higher Treasury yields right now is translating to a stronger dollar. So I think right now that is kind of where we stand. And until the Fed pushes back, you know, a dollar strength could, could somewhat remain. Indeed. Talking of auctions, Ed, I don't know if you were aware of this NFT digital art collage auction from a relatively unrecognized digital artist ended with a purchase price above 69 million dollars that's right 69 million dollars the work is the chronicle of several years worth of daily sketches from an artist called mike winkleman also known online as beeple and unlike every other work the auction house christie's has listed in its 250 plus year history this was purely a digital work. This is a crazy amount of money. How is this happening? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, when you take a look at who was bidding, uh, Christie's noted that a lot of these bidders, and uh, it was a fascinating auction to follow. Uh, seven minutes left in the auction, I was watching, and I'm talking to my colleagues, and like, oh wow, it's at twenty over. Tw- it's at twenty-four million or something around there, and in the last seven minutes, it goes all the way to sixty million, and it was heavily 
cryptocurrency people. Um, there is a cryptocurrency platform named Tron. One of their representatives said that it was their founder that um, provided the winning bid. And it, it goes to show that um, there is a tremendous amount of early investors in crypto that are looking to diversify their portfolios and digital art seems where a lot of them are are becoming fascinated with um collectibles whether it's art whether it's videos uh this is a trend that is growing and i think what more importantly for the artists and this is one of the big features that i think many many people are going to be fixated with is that um if you're an artist and you create something uh, you create a digital art piece and then it kind of goes to auction what the digital art the artist is going to love is that when this piece gets resold they are still going to get a portion of the next profits of the next sale um that is something where i, I think you're going to see that is really going to i think provide a lot of interest for current artists to embrace the digital arts and and uh you're, you're probably going to see that uh there is right now many crypto millionaires that are really going to uh, i think remain committed to, to to buying pieces like this there's a lot of expectations that nfts are just kind of like a another way that you know cryptocurrencies are being um accepted by the public so i so i think you know the, the shattering you know record sale of 60.25 million dollars uh for this uh this uh piece is is is, is fascinating and uh, i mean he can't even hang it up in his living room but I, I think that uh this is the this is kind of um i think uh, a diversification play for many people and uh i think that uh, there is strong demand for this and this space is new and what this also provides is um there is a, a strong belief that this also will help you avoid forgeries i think this is this is you know solely it's on the blockchain it is easily confirmable and uh um it, it it's uh it's very it's in its infancy and it'll be interesting to see you know how these next rounds of digital artwork go and and what's the interest um but right now i think you you can take a look at across the board whether it's uh images or videos of lebron james or other athletes or or artists selling their music uh there is there is a growing interest here and this is just very positive for the crypto space i think that's one of the areas they've really struggled in is mainstream acceptance and this is kind of bringing much more attention uh positive attention to it and and, and that's kind of uh i think what really helped bitcoin uh, kind of uh almost make a run to those record highs and and you know i think today though it kind of uh had a regulatory concern that kind of derailed that move let's talk about a more serious subject and the continuing vaccine war between the eu and uh, the uk just amazing how these things turn out when you consider the vote for brexit happened uh, nearly five years ago now and uh who, who would have imagined it would have come to this Bulgaria, Denmark and Norway are among the latest countries that have paused the use of the AstraZeneca jab. Today, we've heard from a World Health Organization spokesperson who said there is no link between the jab and an increased risk of developing a clot. I mean, certainly, this is just the, a developing story, but nonetheless, it's a continuing one as well, because Europe's vaccination push was dealt another blow a severe one when brussels warned supplies from astrazeneca threatened to fall short 
and hopes fade that the US would provide extra jabs as well. So the Europeans haven't covered themselves in glory. The EU certainly hasn't um, over the last... And I don't say that with any relish, of course, because there are lives and the health of a continent at risk. It's just that they have decided to go on the attack against the UK on so many different levels. It would seem odd to keep going and doing this. Uh, we've already had a you know, backpedalling from the French president about the efficacy and of the AstraZeneca Oxford jab. And, and so it continues. I think what many people are surprised with is that, uh, you, you know, you've, you've had, um, initially, it seems like um, um, a lot of success in with that vaccine in, in the UK. And, and uh, I think what's the, the biggest concern for health experts is, you know, you hear, you mentioned, you know, that Denmark, it was also Italy, Norway, Iceland. All this hesitancy is very bad for for the public because it is is kind of weighing on people's decisions on whether or not they want to go ahead and get vaccinated. I think uh, the the sooner you get to herd immunity, the, the better you you your the prospects for your economy are. Um, and, and right now, uh, there is this this um, this divide over the AstraZeneca COVID shot, and and that. You know, the, until these safety fears are alleviated, and it, it's gonna, it's gonna take, I think, um, more officials kind of uh, giving the uh, the approval to to to, to kind of ease those concerns. But I think the damage has been done, and that's really concerning. Um, I think that there is optimism, though, that uh, you know the EU is they are slowly providing uh, optimism that you know we're going to get more Novavax. They're making more commitments to some of the American vaccines. Um, Eventually, they will get this right. I think there is hopes for that. But right now, when you take a look at the current situation with the virus, Europe is still struggling with variants. I think the, the picture in uh, Western Europe remains uh, mixed. Uh, Italy still uh, has uh, soaring cases. Uh, I think that um, you know cases in, in Germany and Austria are, are, are also rising. Um, they've uh, a little bit higher in Switzerland, and uh, there is there has been a drop in Spain, and and you know the outlook, you know it, it is mixed, and uh, I think that you're 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 likely you're going to see more restrictive measures. I think governments are not taking any chances, so I think you're going to have uh, Rome and M Milan have kind of uh, more more restrictions, and, and this is disheartening. And and I think when you look across the pond and you see that. You know, America, they're starting to have a lot of states start to reopen. Um, it appears that, uh, you know, President Biden is is uh, going to um, expect that every adult American to have the chance to get vaccinated by May 1st or starting in May. Uh, that's very, very positive for that outlook. And, and in Europe right now, it's unclear on when that moment will happen. So, so I think that, you know, the U.S. growth exceptionalism is likely to remain in the first half of the year. Europe is going to get there. There's no doubt about that. But right now, I think that all these 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 uh, disruptive headlines on 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 vaccine uptake is 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 really just going to derail their outlook and uh, and likely uh, warrant uh, more you know accommodative stances from from central banks and, and governments until until then. Really interesting to hear your thoughts on that, Ed. Before we let you go today, let's talk about next week's business and market highlights what stands out for you well i think we start off the week with a, a key election in germany the states of baden-württemberg and, and rhineland uh, will have whole they're, they're gonna have elections and we're gonna see exactly how merkel's cdu um 
perform. I think there is this concern that uh, uh, German politics are not going to have uh, much stability once Merkel leaves, and uh, these elections will give us a better handle of that. Um, in addition to that, we're also going to have daylight savings time um, for most of North America, which means for many parents, uh, your children will be getting up an hour earlier than you want them to. So it will be uh, for in interesting times for the, the Moya family. Um, but more importantly, taking a look at the economic and central bank calendar and, and actually government auctions, I, I think that the, the, the focus, you know, when we start things off is, is going to solely remain on Monday for China, uh, key industrial production and retail sales data. China is, is you know, the, the strongest economy right now, it seems, and um, if, if, if they continue to provide an optimistic outlook, and uh, I think that is just going to really kind of help help drive risk appetite early in the week. Uh, but then, you know, quickly, we're going to see the focus kind of shift to the Americas. And we're going to have on Tuesday, uh, advanced retail sales, which is going to see uh, uh, sales kind of come back. Uh, last month, we, we had uh, the uh, stimulus checks really kind of uh, provide a, a big jump up in, in purchasing. Uh, so this, this month, they're supposed to come back down to earth. If they don't, I think there's going to be uh, even more expectations that this economy is going to run hotter a lot sooner. Um, also on Tuesday, um, around uh, lunchtime, uh, the U.S. is going to sell 24 billion in 20-year bonds. You know, this week we had three key auctions. Uh, the they they went pretty smoothly for the most part. Demand was healthy, um, but if we have anemic demand in in uh, this 20-year uh, uh, bond auction, that could be a key catalyst for the move in Treasury yields. Um, it is it is a, a big concern for for many fed watchers uh, if we if we start to see uh, treasury yields be a lot closer to uh, 170 i think that is going to kind of raise that call that the fed will start to verbally push back on on that move and um, uh, and then i think you know everyone is you know they have uh, the calendar circled for wednesday the the fomc decision um i think there's going to be strong expectations that the fed will kind of maintain their stance that uh, uh inflation concerns you know are are still not uh, a big risk right now i think they're going to anticipate will you know we're going to have the the big jump over these next few months because of the base effects of COVID-19. And uh, there's, there's going to be strong, strong, uh, I think, uh, belief that uh, they can maintain their dovish stance and they're going to push back on, on when uh, people want to see interest rates raised. And I, I think you're going to see that the fed is, is going to try to uh, uh, keep the ammunition uh, at bay right now, and uh, they're 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 gonna they might have to become a little bit more vocal in in addressing concerns with the move in treasuries. But for now, I think that the Fed will be able to to push back on the market. Um, and then uh, to 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 wrap out the week, you know, we 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 also have a a rate decision. Uh, we actually have a, a several rate decisions. We have uh, the Bank of England. Um, they're not expected to uh, have any changes to policy. They might provide some signs that they could slow their bond buying this summer um we also have a turkish central bank rate decision they're gonna uh, most likely raise in their one week repo rate anywhere from 50 to 100 basis points which will really uh, i think uh get on the nerves of uh, president erdogan so i think that's going to be an interesting story to unfold you, everyone knows 
he's uh, no stranger to uh, shaking up the central bank. So um, we'll, we'll see how, how exactly that happens. Uh, the BOJ also meets they're, they're, they're on, on Thursday, and they're going to probably uh, uh, just keep their policy balance rate and 10-year targets unchanged. You know, wrapping up the week, we'll have uh, a great decision from Russia. They're expected to keep policy the study on, on Friday. So uh, a busy week, uh, but I think the focus um, for many will be that Fed decision. Ed, thanks very much for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. This is the Oanda Podcast.